Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, this is Josh and the Homebrew Hombres, Liam Malone, Max Wessel, and Doug Banks. Hey! We make RPG from scratch. It's a podcast about making and playing your own tabletop role-playing games. So come listen to us work on the Scratch Dice system, an alternative to D&D and Pathfinder, and listen to our first campaign, Echoes of the Star Crypt, at nerdyshow.com and on your favorite podcast app. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here with another episode of Flame On, not in space, but through <laughs> time, because we are in three different uh, time zones, coming to you from... Three! Ah! 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 Sorry. Thank oh, you, I thought Count. you were going to go for, like, a Doctor Who I reference. I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, out of, I'm out of sorts with Doctor Who. I need to get back to it. Anyway. Oh. Yes. Well, if greetings from the West Coast. If you go on Pluto TV, you can uh, watch all the classic Doctor Who uh, episodes you want for free. Oh, Jesus. There's HBO Max Who has channel. a lot of them. Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. of stuff, too, if you have that. Yeah, Max has, I think, ev- everything from 2005 to current. Oh, so you go on Pluto TV and watch the classic stuff, and then go on HBO Max and get all of the yep. uh, new Who. New Who. Well, new Who. All right, let's stop with these puns <laughs> before it gets out of hand. Uh, I am Pat DeBerry here. I am being joined on the West Coast by Brian. Hello. And on the East Coast by BJ. Hey. And Eric. Howdy. We are here to discuss the month in pop culture. Before we get into things that are making us excited, or at least giving us a strong... Uh, feelings about pop culture let us take a moment um to reflect on some sad news in the world of uh gay culture 
since the last time we recorded as a group, we have lost uh, two icons in the world of uh, drag and trans life and amazingness. Uh, Lady Red Couture passed away a few weeks ago, uh, which was really abrupt and sad because uh, Johnny had posted that she was coming out of ICU the night before and then everything just kind of went downhill really quickly and we lost her um, I think roughly about 12 or so hours after the last update or within 24 hours of the update saying that she was doing better and then just we're recording on Sunday so on Thursday, this past Thursday, uh, we lost Chi-Chi Devane from RuPaul's Drag Race Season 8 and All-Stars 3. And uh, that was another one where she had posted a video from her hospital bed, said that she was she was fighting and, and things were, were looking better. And then uh, next thing you know, uh, I'm just seeing posts after post and... Honestly, having met Lady Red and having worked with Chi Chi, like they both hit really hard, but I don't know what it was about Chi Chi's passing. Seeing so many people post about Chi Chi and how much they loved her and how much they loved working with her and what a kind soul she was, like it hit me something fierce. Like it, it was tough to even scroll through any type of social media because it just. Oof, it was tough. So, um, reach out to your your loved ones, the people you care about. Check in on them. This world is crazy, and uh, 2020 is uh, really is an asshole, and just taking people uh, way sooner than they should be going. So, oof. All right. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's move on to something a little bit lighter and and spread uh, some love and some cheer. Or some shade. <laughs> if that's what you prefer. It's what they would have wanted. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we are here to talk about pop culture. So why not go ahead and get us started? BJ, <laughs> what, is your, what is your topic for this month? So um, I don't know if anybody's heard of a little show called The Umbrella Academy. But uh, uh, season uh, the two, what? <laughs> the Umbrella the Academy. It's based on a comic. There's umbrellas. <laughs> I got a lovely new umbrella. I in can't every wait for it opening. To rain. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> the, the, you, in every opening, opening there's an umbrella. Yeah. Umbrella. <laughs> I heard a rumor. Um, oh, oh. But uh, no, season two of the Umbrella Academy uh, dropped. Which I know. I know we talked about season one. I can't remember if we talked about the fact that the lead singer of My Chemical Romance is the one that headed up this series. Oh, yeah. We Gerard did. Wright. Yeah. I found I out about really? that recently. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. We We've never talked about the Umbrella Academy back when we covered comics? No. Oh, no, no. We didn't talk We didn't talk about it when it was comics. Oh, it I might've... think we... I think it... Or it was yeah, that might be before it was a long time most ago. of us. <laughs> but... Before in the, my in, time. In the before times when Flame On was uh, uh, a different group, uh, except for me. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, you know, so so long-term fans, long-time fans, 
Yeah, it's Ga- uh, uh, Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba. Uh, ba has done some really interesting art over the years, and I can't think of another project that is off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, they're co-creators. And uh, gosh, when did that come out then? Umbrella Academy, the uh, was two thousand and seven. Yeah, that's um, what Umbrella I Academy at. Dallas is two thousand and eight, which is what <laughs> season two is based on. Or, yeah, so it came derived. out before Flame On started, so that's that's good. Derived from, I should say. <laughs> but oh, um, we're skipping volume three and going right to the volume four for season three. Oh wow! I think volume three was a side story or something. They yeah, did some well, weird. It's Hotel Oblivion. Yeah, and volume yep. four is Sparrow Academy. Uh-huh. Yep. They uh they skipped straight to volume four. I remember reading that somewhere. But uh it's interesting. This season kinda started out almost the exact same as last season. Uh except you have the whole you still have the whole time travel thing, but this time you have like a bunch of different time travel side stories. Cause everybody lands in the same place but a year apart from each other so bj why don't you tell the listener viewers uh, like a little bit about what umbrella academy i guess they're not viewers uh, <laughs> what is umbrella academy about to people who've never read the comic or seen the first series the best thing way i can describe it is a bunch of it's like a bunch of child actors have grown up with mental illness but they have superpowers <laughs> that's good um and it's their dad's fault uh but uh no it's it's interesting i was kind of rolling my eyes when we were going to go through this whole trapped in the past storyline um especially from natalie's perspective the rumor it was i was just like here we go again black person stuck in the racist past can't wait to watch this um but i actually enjoyed her story a lot um and i you get to see a lot of the characters interactions with ben uh especially since klaus's powers have increased a bit so there you get to understand that ben is like the only one in the family that everybody liked um and i'm hoping in the next season we actually get to see what caused him to die or at least that version of him um time travel's fun anyway but uh no the shit it ended up being a lot more enthralling than i thought it would because it's very much in line with the first season except your big bad um is a bit more spread out you have some smaller minor villains you've got uh some smaller you've got like the time travel stuff going where they're stuck out of their decade so people are like why why are you dressed like that stuff like that um and then poor poor vanya i love vanya but goddamn if she just isn't sent through the ringer every goddamn time um but yeah uh i was worried also i heard that the actor that plays klaus was worried that the fact that his character was gay or pansexual was going to overshadow everything. Um, so he actually got to have a little bit more input in for his character this season. So that was actually uh, really refreshing and really nice. Uh, same for Vanya's character. Um, 
So if you are on the fence about Umbrella Academy, I would definitely check it out. I have all of you guys watched it or no? I watched it all in one day. The day it came out, I binged all whatever ten episodes. Yeah, it was a very long day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed it the... though. Did you? Did you? Did you ever read the comic? I don't remember. I, don't... I did no. not read the comic okay. at all. I read the first volume. I started the first series. And I think something about uh, the tone, or there was something that turned me off to it. So I went back and revisited the comics. And so I think I want to finish it and go through the second season. But I'm curious to see how much they've changed and evolved. Because I, I believe Gerard Way is involved with the production. Um, so, I mean, you'd think he might be just tweaking things that didn't work as well in the comic. Or wouldn't work as well when it was put on a big screen, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I am always excited when a unique comics property like uh, Umbrella Academy gets mainstream success because it's not a guarantee. And when that book came out, it was very popular at the time, but it worked within comics because it was kind of a reaction, sort of Gerard's processing of X-Men and Doom Patrol yes. in his own sort of way through the lens of child actor, that whole kind of what would that do to people? Yeah. Um, the time travel elements, uh, obviously it's a comic thing, so that's, that's like a trope, but, um, I'm interested to see how ridiculous it gets in that it, second season. It gets incredibly ridiculous. I won't spoil anything, but it's, I think number five in this season, I like more than in season one. Uh, and especially since everybody is calling for that actor to play a version of Damian Wayne. Um, because he can pull off snark incredibly well. Uh, but yeah, no, if, if anybody hasn't watched season two of the Umbrella Academy, definitely pick it up. Are we doing flame ratings for series? If you want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give it a solid two out of four. We or normally go out, out of five. five is it out of five? <laughs> <laughs> You're just doing whatever you want, BJ. I uh, two point sure. five out of five. Then, damn it, that's it. That's all. Two point five. I, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I've been told that my flame ratings are very soft. So you're very loosey goosey. You're just like, yeah. it was good. Forty seven out of five. <laughs> exactly. So I'm. I'm gonna be a little bit, little bit tougher, since it's 2020. So. <laughs> Hasn't 2020 beaten us down enough? <laughs> uh, it does not look like uh, Gerard Way is part of the Netflix adaptation. Oh. Okay. Uh, it was created for Netflix by Steve Blackman and developed by Jeremy Slater. Oh. Um, well, I, am, I take that back. I am a little sad, though, in looking at um, the stuff about the comic, that they don't go by their, like, quote-unquote superhero names. Oh, because yeah. some of these are ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, Space Boy, which is just phenomenal. The Kraken, the Rumor, the Seance, the Boy, the Horror, and the White Violin. And oh, their yeah. dad, yeah. And their dad being the Monocle. I'm just like, okay, that's... <laughs> um, I, I guess when I watched season one, I wasn't paying as much attention. I have a habit of um, starting a show and um, drifting into my phone. Um, so I'm pretty sure that I missed parts that came back around because there were some reveals, um, including with uh, when they they focus not a lot, but there is a bigger focus on the father 
in season two. Yeah. Because it centers around um, Dallas in 1963 and the assassination of JFK and there's a lot going on around there. And when they did the reveal of the dad, like they actually had the physical on screen reveal. I kind of gasped a little cause I must not have paid attention to either stuff that was talked about or was a part of season one revolving around him. So there, there were parts that really did uh, make me look at like the whole series in a much like better light uh vanya i don't quite know how i feel about vanya uh, <laughs> I, maybe it's maybe there's a part of me that just keeps uh keeps seeing uh as a kitty every time that she's on this yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and i'm like that's not her power why isn't she fa-? well although when she goes through the force field <laughs> i was like oh she's phasing now cool all right uh <laughs> But I did like how they handled her lesbianism in a way here. And the fact that it's like being, not knowing who you are and developing these feelings. And they didn't play into that at all in season one. So when she ventures into this kind of offshoot romance, I was like, okay, that felt a little more organic and it felt like it gave her a little bit more depth as a character and not just this overpowered like MacGuffin in a sense because so far it's been like okay well we need to find her she's the center of of what's going on so well she feels like a a reverse MacGuffin like she's not there to like make anything better most of the time Um, but they're still chasing after her her so much yeah and I like the whole idea, though, that we get to see her without all of that angst. And I like her. I'm very interested to see how Ellen Page will play her next season, because now all that angst is back. But at the same time, I'll, throughout this season, the family does kind of acknowledge a lot of their personal issues and how they were kind of assholes. Um so it's I you do get more family moments with them this season and I really like that cuz now to me they're not just a bunch of weird assholes running around all over the place they're an actual family unit which is cool which will be interesting next season as well yeah i i do have to say that um i fell quite in love with Kate Walsh as the handler this season because for as fucked up as the shit that she does, it's so in- it's intense to watch her perform throughout the entire season. She remind she reminded me of a little bit of Michelle Gomez. Like, there's something about how Michelle Gomez would play the master as kind of like a reverse Mary Poppins. And she kind of plays like this 1960s sort of like office woman thing, but she is just batshit fucking crazy, and I love it. I love the fact that she was almost always like five steps ahead for the most part, for the most part. Uh, And then you would kind of see how things, how she 
anticipated things happening and you were like oh okay well this is how they're gonna go ahead and uh figure out what's going on and then she had already turned the tables and planted stuff or changed things in order to make her narrative fit what was being put out there for everybody so i i i was very enamored by the way that her character came off not necessarily her character but her portrayal she's a very classic villain yeah she was fantastic i really like it It, like a very classic villain that doesn't think about people's emotions everyone is a pawn everyone is just an object and when you overlook people's feelings sometimes that can go out of go out of the norm or what you're expecting which was great absolutely i would give it 3.75 flames um i thought that overall it was a pretty it was a pretty solid season i i it's slightly becoming a trope where you're putting black characters into these uber racist, you know, historical pieces. But I think with the way that the world is right now, it's almost important to have those things being shown because a lot of people out there don't either realize or remember or care to remember how these situations were. And as opposed to something like uh, Hollywood, where it wanted to give you a a different spin, where um, what was it Mimi Eisenhower? As long as she came over and and you know told you not to be racist, everything was cool. Um, yeah, the fact that they were dealing with this and seeing some of the ways that they would go through when uh, when they were in the diner and the the rumor had the the owner the the guy that was at the the counter oh that entranced. was beautiful it was like <laughs> there was so much like angst and anger More. right rightfully so and it just it just showed More. like yeah it was it was intense it was definitely More. Uh, a good <laughs> but it also shows that line where like you have to kind of pull back from Mm-hmm. Even though there's a there's a huge part of you saying, forget that line, just keep going, but do it. It's a matter of trying to keep your humanity at the same time. So it, it's it was a very interesting watch, and uh, the only thing that I I really was not keen on was uh, the whole Luther uh, or Space Boy slash the rumor pseudo incest storyline. <laughs> like I get it. But I kind of felt awkward about it. You, you know what's really awkward? My dad set me up on a date with my stepmom's niece. And I was like, that's my cousin. And they're like, but not by blood. And I'm like, <laughs> the fact that you had to make that distinction is fucked up. And yeah. Yeah, if you have to have a caveat to your <laughs> romantic overture, probably not the way to go about it. So yeah, when it yeah, that that uh that scene was like, mm, okay, that's a little much. I get it, but it's still freaking me out. So that is the Umbrella Academy season two, now on Netflix. 
uh, set up for a very interesting season three where they're going to dive into the fourth uh, volume of the Umbrella Academy. And uh, we'll see how that all goes in uh, the coming months slash year, however long it takes for it to show up again on Netflix. Or Um, that could be the end of the series, you know, if the apocalypse happens. I mean... I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody had uh, double hurricanes in the Gulf on uh, their bingo card for August <laughs> in 2020. Uh, oh, what was what's the meme that's going around now? Uh, a guy walks into a bar in New Orleans and asks for a Corona and two hurricanes, and the bartender says, "That'll be 2020." Oh, whackity schmackity do. <laughs> I'll be here all night. Uh, <laughs> so that is Umbrella Academy. Eric, why don't you give us your topic? Okay, so it's a video game. It's not an MMO. Ooh. And, <gasps> I and it's current. It is very current. Uh, at least two weeks ago, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a battle royale, which is not something that is really... Something I like to play, because I'm not big on shooter-type games. Uh, but it's Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. Um, you get to play these little jelly bean guys, and it's kind of like <laughs> competitive wipeout. Yes. Yeah. That's a great <laughs> sell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, some, it's like if the minions ran around and did wipeout. Um. It's also been compared to Takashi's oh Castle God, a lot. Um, oh yeah, same. Is that it? Like Ninja Warrior and that same sort of obstacle course kind of yeah. genre. Yeah, but I mean, it's also kind show. of like Mario Party or WarioWare in that there's a collection of different games. It's not just like one obstacle course they're running through. Um, and it starts oh, okay. with 60 people and you're just doing a number of games, usually about five games. Until there's one winner. And yeah. Controls are super easy. There's a run, a jump, and a grab button. And you just play and you try not to die. And you fall down a lot. <laughs> Damn That's... that grab button. Oh my god, it's horrid. <laughs> like, if you have not played this game and you are easily frustrated by humanity, don't play it. <laughs> Because that's the, any battle royale game. Well, more so because it's a clusterfuck. <laughs> uh, you you start out in this like kind of grid, right, and then you all have to rush ahead. And a lot of times there are these bottlenecks where everybody like squeezes into a space or pushes through a door or whatever. And the problem with humanity in this game is that there are a bunch of assholes out there, and you all probably also going to be part of this, you know, at being an asshole, where you can grab other people and hold them back. Or just like kind of squeeze people over the edge of a like a, a cliff, and then they fall to their death, or they they have to reset. So there's a lot of moments in this game that like raise my blood pressure to unacceptable levels. <laughs> this sounds like every interpersonal relationship in my life. Think about Black Friday shopping, uh, or no? Yeah. Well, if they're, and they're not gonna. This will be a weird year, right? But like, think about that rush of people that first morning when a store opens. Oof. That's this game. In a lot of the like, <laughs> mini games, anyway. But it's fun. <laughs> so much fun. 
much. No, it is fun, and I get why people are all about it. Um, the battle royale element makes it a little more like you know because it whittles it down to the the person at the end who what grabs the crown or whatever. Um, and some games like there's one that does that Japanese shape. I forgot what it's called, but it's the game where the shapes come at you and you have to like move around to fit. Oh, in the like holes. Uh, what was it? It was uh, uh, a wall or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Hole in the wall was that was the uh, American adaptation. Yeah, yeah. So there's that game. So there's moments, and then there's like catch the tail off the the guy. Like those are kind of more not lighthearted, but well, they're all lighthearted, but they're a little more like less. They're less stressful. And there's but, some, oh and my there's god, some I saw in the game well. that you can customize. Oh yeah, you it's, can it's customize all, like your little fall guy. It's all about costumes. That's. That's the whole replay value is you're earning points to buy co- costumes. Some you can purchase with just regular points, and some you have to have crowns, which means you've won a round. Uh, so, oh, how many crowns yeah. do you have? Um, I've won about nine they call them episodes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Look at you. I was going to say, I have about four crowns, but those were dental work, and I paid a lot for them. <laughs> um, but right now, the game is Customize Pat's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, the game is on Steam and PlayStation 4. It's currently on PlayStation Plus this month, so you can get it for free. Um, and... They had signed. Uh, if I had a PlayStation Four, I would love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah! Right now, they for the initial release, they signed uh, <laughs> an exclusive deal with Sony. Uh, so that's, but they'll eventually bring it out to Xbox and Switch. I'm sure. Nice. This is a perfect game for the Switch. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of surprised Nintendo didn't get first grab at it, but. Uh... It's good. I mean, it's good. It's addictive. And uh, the, the only other thing I don't love is that when you play with other people on your team, unlike like Fortnite, which is another popular Battle Royale game, uh, you don't interact with your teammate much at all. So the the whole playing with team with other people element that you know that's on your, your team for a lot of it doesn't really have much value or meaning. So I mean, there, there are some games where it's valuable to have somebody with you or somebody you know. Yeah, the there. ones that are like the team versions, but like a lot of the games are just every man for themselves, and so there's no direct correlation to the fact that you're playing with somebody else. You know what I mean? And it, it even is weird and confusing when there's so many people on a screen that you don't easily, you can't easily identify your teammate. So little things like that. They're iterating. They're they're the, these these games are much better about iterating and che- tweaking things. They've already fixed some of the issues they had with people being assholes. Uh, because yeah. there literally are people who are like trolls. They'll just sit there at the end of the match or the end of the, the game or the end of the, you know, where you go to the, to win or to qualify and they'll hold you back. They're not trying to win. They're just trying to be assholes. So, uh, you know, have fun with that. <laughs> you know, Brian, it, did you ever see the second uh, Despicable Me movie? No, I did not. There's a moment, or no, it was the third one. There's a moment where... Gru's wife calls them Grusy, and he's just like, what? And she's like, oh, it's our name, smushed together. And he goes, oh, I like that. I like it, but not a lot. I don't like it. And that's what I was getting from here. You're not wrong. 
You're not I wrong. I like it, but not a lot. I don't like it. I, I want to like it more than I do, but I am still playing it because, you know. Okay, it's, well, I, I like the, you know, the wipeout angle is fun to me. I do appreciate that. I think I'm just realizing that I hate a lot of other people. I, I like I like that it's something you can start, play it for like five, ten minutes, and then just be done with it. You know, you just play a couple rounds and, okay, I'm good. Um, I just and... know not to play it at the end of my day or I will go to sleep angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that's really going for it is their social media. Um, the guy who runs their Twitter has been outstanding. Um, he's done everything from finding out who the worst statistical player playing the game is, who happens to be a streamer, and just making fun of them relentlessly. So for like a week, it was just oh drawing, uh, forcing views onto this guy's channel um, until he did finally win a crown. But just kind of the rage that he was showing, it was fantastic. Um, he responds to any and all. He responds to a lot of other like company Twitters, and he'll retweet basically any sort of fan art, anything. Um, and right now there's uh, a charity contest going where it's whoever um, donates the most to this um, UK-based um, special need gaming um, charity um, will basically get their own kind of Fall Guys costume in the game. And oh, they're nice. close to half a million dollars right now, I think, the high bid. But, yeah, Fall Guys, just doing everything right right now. I just pulled up their Twitter, because I had to. And um, two hours ago, they tweeted, I want to play Fall Guys with at Fallout Boy, but I'm worried they'd fall down, down, in an earlier round. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Nice. Wow. I, I'm, yeah. I didn't know about this game until I was scrolling through Twitter, which has become like my new, like, go to. Um, and Jeremy Carey, uh, formerly known as, uh, Phoenix O'Hara slash Fifi O'Hara, uh, was streaming Fall Guys on his Twitch. So I, just hopped over on Twitch and watched him play for a little bit. And I was like, I don't, I don't understand this, but I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> and then I followed him. Uh, Kim Chi tweeted the other day, or maybe it was today. Uh, she was sad that she can't win a round of fall guys. So. Oh, <laughs> oh I love this. So you want to hear, you want to hear a weird connection here to this game? So, Hi, uh, sorry. Uh, Fall Guys is made by Devolver Digital, which is an Austin-based company. Yeah, the, the portal. Yeah, they. they oh, found, it's a portal thing. Yeah, they found what was it? Uh, like three days ago, they found whoever, like just randomly, the guy who runs the Twitter was like, "We picked the person who's statistically doing the best in the game overall, and just added this costume to their set without telling them." And they're like. Who is it? So, <laughs> yeah, they had to ask because they didn't like didn't like have a way to determine that, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and oh. it ended up being that portal costume. 
But it took like a day and a half for someone to fess up and say, hey, it was me. I found it. I'm the person. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I interrupted so, you. But it was Devolver Digital is Austin-based. No, no, that's all right. They're, um, they're, uh, they're connected. They're a publisher who distributes other publishers uh, who are smaller. So they actually have been – they're the distributor for Free Lives – which is a South African video game developer who made genital jousting. Oh, so there is a line so of uh, connection there between our one of our favorite games, oh genital jousting, God. and uh, Fallout guys. I remember uh, Fallout, playing that with Fall you guys. guys. Not Fallout guys. Damn it! Now it's going to be <laughs> Fall guys. I need a going down swinging. I need a Fallout a Fall guys uh, Fallout boy skins now. Lord in heaven. <laughs> uh, so that is Fall Guys, now out on Steam and PS4. If any of y'all see my PS4 out there in the wild, tell Aww. it I miss it. Aww. <laughs> All right. Brian, take it away with your topic. So, uh, in the th- spirit of video games... Um, Something I've been playing pretty much my entire life. Uh, I was almost going to say adult life, but it's actually like, you know, my whole life, really. Uh, There is a great new series out on Netflix called High Score. High Score is a six-part documentary series, which Netflix is doing some really fantastic documentaries and documentary series. If you have not, you know, noticed those because the algorithm doesn't know you like documentaries, but you actually do. You start looking them up on Netflix now, and you'll probably get more thrown at you. But uh, high enough, score. Um, oddly, I'm not a docu series person, but after Glow Up season two finished, it was one of the three things that it suggested <laughs> for me. I don't understand how huh. or why, but it was there. The algorithms move in mysterious ways. So high score is actually made by a woman, uh, uh, France. Oh God, I must butcher her last name. Sorry, France uh, Costrel. And she wanted to highlight the lives of... Uh, she wanted to do a docu-series about video games, but she wanted to highlight not just the games themselves, but the lives of the developers and the players. And developers isn't just the programmers, but it's the artists, the, the money people, the, you know, all of, all of it. And this series starts, as you would expect, kind of in that era of uh, so early, like the beginning of console gaming. And they highlight some really interesting people throughout the series um, that I had cer- certainly never heard of um, or, or had maybe heard in passing but didn't know, don't know a lot about. Uh, and specifically, what I love about the series is it brings uh, – it highlights stories of people of color and people in the queer community. Um, there are numerous people throughout the gaming history that you know everybody knows about, uh, but they highlight sort of lesser known. Like um, there's this game – called gay blade that uh ryan best developed in the like late 90s early 2000s and it was pc-based gaming and uh he lost it he lost it it was like an rpg in that era for gay people uh or people in the lgbt community i had never heard of this game and i and i like to think i know a little bit about gaming and, and and you know the queer gaming specifically but like never heard of this in my life uh and the fact that he lost the game and couldn't find it for years, um, they highlight uh, a person who uh, is trans uh, and also a game developer who won, I believe it was the um, Space, Space Invaders. Invaders. 
yeah, like a world championship. Uh, Rebecca Heineman, who actually I found out lives here in Seattle uh, with her wife, which is awesome. Um, it, is she related she, uh, to Jamie Heineman? I don't know. I don't know if it's spelled the same. It's not spelled the same way. But that would be weird, too. That would just be like another crazy connection. Anyway, um, they talk, uh, of course, they talk about Nintendo. You learn about Atari and the E.T. cartridge uh, sort of story. Like, little touch points. They talk about Roberta Williams and Ken Williams. Uh, some of the most important gaming to me growing up was Sierra Online, PC gaming, King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest, uh, Leisure Suit Larry, all that. They talk about their early days making games uh, in that in that era, turning basically traditional business computers uh, or computers used entirely for business and scientific purposes into gaming platforms. Um, uh, gosh, there's so many. The Mortal Kombat and the controversies about you know violence in video games. They touch on that. Um, the person that created, and I'm trying to trying to find his name real quick. The person who created. Uh, the idea of having a cartridge that you could make programmable and use for different systems with different games uh, is a, a black engineer and uh, largely had become unknown because his technology uh, was quickly copied by other companies. And then the, the system he developed it for was completely left behind. Um, gosh, there's just so much. It's such a treasure trove of, of stories of these people a uh, guy who created the artwork for Final Fantasy, uh, Amano. Uh, they they talked to him and oh, nice. Nintendo. Like like it's it's there are lots of gaps. So the, some of the criticisms people have is a little disjointed, and it also sort of skips around a bit, and it it leaves out like you know they mentioned Tetris. Like Tetris was a huge part of you know gaming for you know those of us who are around in that era with the you know first coming out on the PC from a Russian developer, but then you know, coming out and making the Game Boy, the system that everybody had was largely due to Tetris. But, um, you know, the omissions, obviously, but they do a great job of, like, connecting all these stories and having this through line that goes through the whole series and within each episode. Um, they also have some fantastic 8-bit, uh, like, kind of simple, like, you know, computer art to depict certain, like, memories that people are describing. Hmm. Um, I forgot, there's another show that did this too. Uh, but it reminded me of Code Monkeys uh, back, you know, uh, like oh I don't even God. know how long ago. Jesus. Yeah, that's series, right? Good um, Lord. Power Glove, another eight uh, chiptunes artist, uh, did the music for the show. So that's fantastic. A lot of great stuff there. Um, gosh, I don't know. There's just so much about it. And so I think most of our audience here, you know, I know all of us, but most of our audience you know, that listens to Flame On is, you know, gamer or gamer adjacent. Nerds. Um, and, and, you know, even like my mom, I actually sent my mom a link to watch this documentary because it talks about things like Dungeons and Dragons and what that's about and how it's, you know, there was this controversy that people thought it was going to make people uh, Satanists. Um, but, you know, obviously it was just a, a game for like learning storytelling and, you know and kind of creative choices. You know, what's funny is, is nobody in my family thought Dungeons and Dragons was like a Satan thing, but they were always convinced it was a weird sex thing and i could not convince them otherwise i know my I mean, uncle that's... played it and now i have questions as to what they caught him doing while playing dungeons and dragons i, I think it's a lot closer to a weird sex thing than a <laughs> satan thing though honestly knowing a lot of dnd players uh um you know. knowing um, you so bj who else watched this? it's a weird sex thing <laughs> we know you i did, we know you i did <laughs> write up an idea 
for a porn series based off of a D&D group hooking up with each other, but when they hook up, it's their in-game characters. It was it was like a, it was like a series of like five it was supposed to be five different movies and each movie ends with like somebody walking in on one of the other players and hooks up with them. That would make some good erotica. Six. You should work on that. <laughs> so who else watched this? Anybody else watch it? I, I watched the first yet. episode. Did you recognize the narrator? No. So I'm not going to spoil it because I really feel like this is something you should probably like go through the whole series and then kind of think about like, who is this person? Why are they narrating? But I will say that they absolutely are the perfect person to narrate this series. And in fact, I, I, I mean, hopefully they're going to do another set of these because there's a lot they could still explore. I mean, they basically end with Star Fox and the rise of 3D gaming, Star Fox and kind of Doom together. Um, but yeah, the narrator is, uh, quite the Easter egg that I thought they were going to even make a joke about it and they don't. So, uh, you know, that's interesting. Is the narrator Uh, Janelle Monet? No, that would be good. She, she'd probably be perfect for it too, though. Cause I mean, you know, I'm sure she's a big gamer. I don't don't know. She just, she just narrates stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so anyway, they're real quick episodes. They're like 30, 40 minutes, uh, six of them. Like, you know, it's, it's a feel good thing. They really do. Even with the the game players, like this, they focus on people who win competitions and, and, and get into like esports and all that. And their stories are really interesting too. One of theirs uh, reminded me of the movie uh, "The Wizard." Did anybody see that movie? I was just going to ask. The, the, oh yeah, I was going to ask I if they talk the about it. I they saw that shit in the movie theater. It, which Aww. I did too. Yeah, like like that's a, a big movie for a lot of us in that, and who grew up in like that the nineties, early nineties. Uh, or late 80s, I, they always blend together. But uh, yeah, this guy's story was basically that, and they didn't even mention the, the movie came out. Anyway, that's the thing. Whatever. But yeah, Power check it out. Great Super series. Mario Brothers 3. Get the warp whistle. <laughs> that's where my love of speed Did you remember playing. Fred Savage? Who t- what? Oh. Did you say oh. you remember Fred Savage? It was 1989, by the way. No, I didn't remember he was in it. I remember oh, the yeah. movie, but I didn't remember who and, was like... And Christian oh Slater. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And he was oh the dad, right? It was It was also Tobey Maguire's film debut. Whoa. what? It, was Tobey the little brother? Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe. Oh, my God. That's hilarious if that's the case. That's even more insane. It's uh, it, It's an interesting part of our pop culture like history world yeah. yeah i don't i would guess no, it doesn't hold no. up well toby mcguire was uncredited as goon i don't know who that was <laughs> goon oh whoa <laughs> oh, he probably, probably was the... one of the game the other kids playing that was probably oh, a dude yeah. yeah that's phenomenal well, my favorite story my favorite story from it well not my favorite but one that was really uh what jenny lewis the musician was the other was the female lead in the movie? What? Yeah. Oh wow. That's, that's Jenny crazy. Lewis, Fred Savage, you know, Luke Edwards, Christian Slater. Yeah, that's crazy. Didn't uh, is it Cena that works with with Jenny? Yep. I'm gonna talk to Cena tomorrow, and I should bring that up. Be like, did you know about this connection? <laughs> <laughs> Can we? Um, oh, that's right. Because she does. Uh, she's done vocals with uh, the Postal Service. Oh, I didn't know that. Because oh. she, uh, I never know how to pronounce the group. Is it Rilo, Rilo Kylie? 
Yeah, Rilo Kylie. And then yeah, she did. Uh, she was all any postal service song that has a female vocal is Jenny Lewis. Can you t- ask Nina to get Jenny Lewis too. on the phone? <laughs> I will actually. I've never asked him about that. I do want to know like how that all happened, like how he fell into that. Anyway, uh, so yeah, uh, there's a story about Night Trap. Do you guys remember the game Night Trap that came out for the Sega Sega pa- Sega CD? I oh think it was. shit! Yeah, it was kind of like a choose your own adventure, and it's funny because I never thought about it this way. But uh, a Friday, no, Five Nights at Freddy's so directly links back to to that that game because it's the same idea. You're you're manning a security camera, like you're you're oh. switching between uh, things, and I never even made that connection. But anyway, they. They talk about that, that that game was actually made for Hasbro. And originally it was supposed to be vamp not, not even vampires. I think it was like killers, and then it became like vampires, because they didn't want something that kids could like emulate. And so vampires, well, they're whatever, the creatures. But they didn't like vampires either. They're like, oh, vampires are too fast and too whatever. So they had to make slow, like kind of dumb vampires that were called <laughs> I forget I forgot the term they used but then they couldn't bite their like necks because that's too bloody so they had to make these instruments that come out like they're like metal arms and like suck their blood and so it made the game even more gruesome than the uh, original guy even cr- decided he even wanted it to be and that then led once Hasbro kicked it to the curb Sega eventually picked it up and said all right we already have this great game it's going to be perfect for the series and then that's when the, the 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 Senate, I think it was the Senate hearings about gaming violence came out because of Night Trap, because it was so much gorier and scarier. And now you can get the game on the Nintendo Switch. I was just <laughs> like, looking that up and I children. saw. It's like 15 bucks if you want to experience it. Like it's full motion. Like if people are acting, I mean, that's why it's like, you know, kind of like a choose your own I video adventure. I might have that up. <laughs> I'm so I'm so happy this exists. I want more of this content. Please go watch this. Give it high ratings or whatever Netflix cares about, and we'll get more. Go give it good flame ratings. Tell Netflix you give it five flames. They'll know what you mean. Five out of five. <laughs> that's that's, that's right. a soft rating. <laughs> I'm a soft guy. Like I tell you, you soft boy. I am. <laughs> Come on, soft boy, boy. Can't you get? No, sorry, what? <laughs> we hope that you are enjoying this episode and all of the other content that we put out for you as flame on if you are enjoying yourself why not head over to our website flameonshow.com and scroll to the bottom where you can follow us on social media flame on is listener funded entertainment so if you are enjoying yourself why not consider going over to our patreon and subscribing we've got great exclusive patreon content and more coming very, very soon. And you can join at any of the four levels that we have for you there. So if you would like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right. We have one more topic before we get into our one-ups. And I know one of our one-ups is going to uh, be a little lengthy, girthy, if you will, and have a lot of content to mine? talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to do my topic, and then we will dive into all of the fun that is our one-ups for this month. So, in a, a similar vein to... BJ's conversation about the Umbrella Academy season two and the somewhat tropish nature of uh, having characters, uh, black characters in uber racist uh, scenarios and in the past. We are going to talk about one that is done extremely well that was Something I didn't expect to enjoy, necessarily. Although, when the first trailer dropped, I was like, okay, this is something that I'm going to have to look into. This can be seen on your regular HBO subscription. And if you have HBO Max. And it is Lovecraft Country. and it Yeah, that first episode. We are, I believe, tonight will be episode two. I believe it's every Sunday night. And the first episode was a very interesting mix of intense action and world building and really just playing into our history, but in such a way that it didn't glorify any of the past history. And I'm not a Lovecraft person. I know that there are others, um, either on the show and on the Nerdy Show Network, that are definitely uh, more inspired by uh, Lovecraftian adventures. I mean, we have the Call of Cthulhu mystery program is uh, right here on the Nerdy Show Network. However, I have been made aware that Lovecraft was uh, insanely racist. And uh, it was nice to see a different spin and taking those things that are built out of such a racist connotation and built into something that was uh, very empowering for the community that it was kind of used against. Yeah. It's like it took, it took part of what inspired that sort of, horror that whole that whole idea of cosmic horror all the xenophobia and racism and they took that bit of like his his work and put it in a place where it kind of works for the narrative of the story which is really interesting yeah absolutely like and honestly i was kind of impressed by the special effects because you don't go very far into the show 
before you start seeing some fucked up funky shit. You know, you've got a Cthulhu-esque monster that is within, what, the first ten minutes of this premiere episode? Shugoth? Oh, no, yeah, that was... Yeah. Before it's uh, split in two with a baseball bat. I'm still not quite sure how that worked. But hey, I'm I'm down for it. Um and it was very it was very telling and uh seeing the images that are being shared now that are pictures from our actual past that were I don't even want to say an homage because it, it's tough to to really kind of speak on our racist history and say that it's an homage to it. But um, there were quite a few scenes that were portrayed in the episode that were basically recreations of like classic photographs of that time period. So for as much as like it's a a sci-fi otherworldly type of vibe with the creatures and all these things, it's still so much of our past. It's, you know, talking about uh, the Jim Crow laws, talking about, you know, having to get out of the South um, because at that point, the South Sundown was, Towns. Sun, yeah, Sundown Towns. Sundown, the, the, the sheriff that's like, well, you've heard of Sundown Towns. This is Sundown County. And even though it's the first episode and you know that they're going to live, my heart was racing as they were trying to make it to the railroad tracks to the edge of the county because it's that whole fight of like okay well you can't speed because then he's gonna pull you over but you have to be out within a certain amount of time and just like that that Mm -hmm. level of anxiety was intense and it's such a great way that the show it, it doesn't just rely on the monsters to make it intense and make you have that response I mean, two different scenes within the show in just one episode focused around car chases that, again, first episode, you're pretty sure that your main characters are not going to be killed in the first episode, but you still have that intense reaction of like, oh God, like they really did a great job making you feel emotion and and a heightened anxiety for these characters um you know when they're sitting in the diner and uh i love the diner scene oh my god when he's sitting there and he's like remind me why the white house is white and then they start talking about the fact you know that the when the when the french burned it down you know when the uh when it was attacked and the original white house was burned down they painted it white to cover the burn marks. And at that same point, he slides the the, the floorboard. The tile. And the, yep. oh, the, yeah. And then she comes running out of the back and she's like, we got to get out of here. Like, oh, my God. Get so many things out of here. So many things are just done so amazingly well in this show. One episode in that I was like, OK, this is I can understand now why so many people are so enthralled by this show. Um, and I, I damn near lost my mind when I think it was right after that, when um, she's driving the car and the uncle, I can't, I'm horrible with names of characters, especially after one episode. 
Um, and I don't want to tippy type because then all my soundboard clips are gonna go off. <laughs> uh, but Atticus is the main the main male character. His uncle yeah, is uh, is it Uncle Gregory? Uncle George? Uh, I believe. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's George Freeman. Yeah, and that was one of those things where I looked at it and was like, oh, okay, that's right. And I almost love the fact that, you know, it, it's playing off of the fact that so many freed slaves didn't have an, a, a family name. So their last names were Freeman or Freedman because it yep. was Freedman. So it, it's it's insane, like, all of these little details that are... That are uh, are in there uh but when they're driving away and uh the uncle the uncle george goes it says something like some girl and she's like my name isn't girl it's fucking i was like oh whoa like she just uh leticia fucking lewis (laughs) yes i was like that was phenomenal um and i i I love Pulled up the, the Wikipedia. So, Journey Smollett, she is the sister of Jesse Smollett from Empire, correct? That I'm not sure. Oh, she's also, she's Black Canary. Yeah, oh, I didn't even recognize her. That's right. I knew the name, I knew the name was familiar. Um, so, yeah, she was Black Canary in Birds of Prey. I and um, she was on Hanging with Mr. Cooper at one I point. I knew that. I didn't, I, because I always get, um, uh, the, the woman who plays the rumor in the Umbrella Academy, I always think she's the one that played Black Canary, but it was, uh, her. And that's, and she, her brother is, uh, Jesse Smollett from Empire, who had his own whole thing not too long ago. Um, but she is fantastic in the role, honestly, so far, all of the characters, all of the actors are are amazing. So I'm excited to continue watching it. Um, I'm hoping that it becomes uh, the hit that it should be and that it, it leads to uh, some more intense and fantastic uh, storytelling. Uh, yes. BJ, obviously, you've watched it. Has anybody else watched? Yeah. I watched it, and everything you guys have said is spot on. I think this is a show that is as important as the Watchmen series that came out a little bit ago, uh, in that it's recontextualizing and sort of exploring something that has existed outside of... uh, Something that has existed almost in willful ignorance of race, uh, including Watchmen itself, I think, a little bit. uh, Maybe less so than Lovecraft, because good God. Oh, he's uh, bad. If you read anything, if you read anything about Lovecraft, and and I and I, they even call out the poem yep. that it was never was never published, I think, but it was credited to him, uh, and you know it was his, uh, and 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 John Carter of Mars, which is one of my I love John Carter of Mars, but it's hard to wrap your head around sometimes when you think about the fact that he was a Confederate soldier and you know all that that means, but um, it's so important right now, and I'm so happy that it's entertaining because. Watchmen is entertaining, but there are definitely moments of the show where it's it's tough, and it, people might I don't know not not get into it as much. But uh, so far, this is great. I'm really I don't know how this show is going to unfold. The world it's creating is really kind of magical, and so I'm 
I'm interested to see how they how they handle that. Um, if I have one note, it's that oh my god, the the ge- geography. I know they start in Chicago. Yep, and I think they end up in Massachusetts. That's yeah. where they're heading. Yeah. Uh, so Artem, Massachusetts. Yeah, but like the it's. I guess I didn't realize, and this is to my you know I'm this is my fault that there were these sundown towns like in the Northeast and I'm guessing it's Virginia that maybe they're having these issues through I, I or Mar- no, Maryland. It could be Maryland. There's guess, like actually still, uh, there's a sundown town in Georgia. Well, Georgia, Current. I expect. Yeah. Jo- Georgia, I a hundred percent expect, but, but up uh, North at the time you didn't, you wouldn't think, but yeah, no. Rural. So that's, I think that, if they could have made the geography, and it's funny because this whole thing is about the Green Book, you know, guide uh, for 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 black people to figure out where is safe to travel and eat and stop, and um, like the, the geography is sort of a little bit uh, obfuscated um, and kind of made almost mystical. It's probably an intentional choice, but it's a very that's a very Lovecraftian choice, I think, as far as the storytelling goes, because you can see on a map where they're going or where he wants to go. But then as they're physically doing it, it's hard to tell where they actually are. Yeah, no, and I, like you said, which I, I feel I is feel like part of the narrative, which is which is what I loved about it. Yeah, so it's a choice. Um, but I was I was just confused because I was like, wait, where are they? Where are they going? Well, um, yeah, because I mean, at but first, so good. They talk about uh, Lovecraft count, uh, County is being in Massachusetts, but that was a different town name. I want to say it was. Um, Arkham? Arkham. Yeah, he thought it, it Arkham said House. Arkham, but it was... And it was Ardom. But it was... Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so... The, the only other thing... Oh, oh no, I was, I was going to say... The only other thing that st- <laughs> stood out to me was uh, there's anachronistic music choices, which does not bother me whatsoever, but I want people who that might throw them out for some reason just to know that, like, the soundtrack is not just... I mean, the, the score is fantastic, very intense. But the the there's like pop music choices, so to speak, that are not from that period and kind of add to the they're 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 great choices, but they they don't they're they're anachronistic. That's the best way to put it. As long as the legends of tomorrow yeah, don't come in and try to you know, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, it, it's overall it one episode in. It's been pretty fantastic and seeing these beasts and these creatures that they are encountering these quote-unquote vampires in the first um episode like it, it it was definitely intense it was very very intense so nine more episodes uh including the one the night that this comes out uh the third episode will be coming out two days after this episode drops so if you have hbo you have hbo max you have a friend that can send you their login eric will get pj to send you his login uh, <laughs> but do yourself a favor and go check it out um just like back in february when or i don't even think it was february i'm sorry it was because it was when i was up here um when all the protests really had kicked off and hulu had made uh because you can get hbo on hulu when they had made Watchmen free to watch um there are certain shows that i think especially now should be viewed. And, and I would say that this along with Watchmen are contemporary shows that should be watched to really kind of 
get a feel for, and obviously this is a feel for, uh, the way that our history unfolded at that point in time from, you know, uh, through a different lens. So I honestly, I give this first episode five flames. Uh, it, it it hit me in ways I did not expect and did not see coming. Agreed. And uh, I'm I'm that to me is the sign of a fantastic show. All right. So those are our topics for the month, and that means it is time to switch over and have some fun in the one ups. These are the things that are giving us life. In the month of August 2020, the year that will never end. Remember 10 years ago when it was February and we could go outside and, and not worry about dying? <laughs> this is this is the longest decade year ever. Uh, <laughs> so um, I think we're going to start with BJ because his one-up has uh, a lot of information. And I'm sure uh, most it's of us girthy. will have some. It is girthy. And uh, I think some of us will have some uh, uh, input that we'll want to throw in. So, BJ, why don't you tell us what our, your one-up is? So, my one-up is DC Fandom was this weekend. Um, it was kind of their... They had, like, no presence, really, at the digital Comic-Con this year. Um, and it was because they announced that they're doing their own sort of at-home convention. And I gotta say, it was pretty, pretty good. They, uh, dropped a trailer for two video games. Uh, the first one was Goth, uh, Dark Knights, uh, which I guess is, is actually continuing the storyline from the, um, the Arkham series. Uh, the Batman Arkham games, uh, and where you get to play as pretty much the entire Bat family. It's co-op. Um, it's got an interesting level system. Uh, there's interesting things you can do. I think you'll be playing as, I'm not sure which Robin you are yet. They haven't announced which one it is. Uh, but one of the interesting things you can do in the game is Robin hacks the Justice League system, and you can do short-range teleports to sneak up on your enemies. Uh, it's just little things like that. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, so that's Dark Knights or Gotham Knights. And then they released an amazing trailer for Suicide Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, uh, which is an also a Batman Arkham game series, uh, where you either play as Harley, King Shark... Captain Boomerang or Deadshot, uh, Deadshot. Uh, and the trailer is fantastic. So I've been watching that like I watched it two or three times today. Uh, that game's interesting. You're kind of in the middle of a Brainiac invasion and you actually do have to, you're given orders from Amanda Waller to take out the Justice League because uh, they've been compromised. So... That's super interesting. And while we're on the subject of the Suicide Squad, they finally released who is playing who in the Suicide Squad movie. They dropped a little teaser of all the characters. And Idris Elba is Bloodsport. Nathan Fillion is TDK. And there's a ton of characters. I'm just going through the highlights right now. John Cena is playing Peacemaker. 
Uh, I'm very excited about that. And Brian, you would be interested in this. Peter Kirpaldi is playing the thinker. Yeah, I saw that uh, yesterday when they did the trailer, and uh, yet his costume I, is straight out of the book. I I was uh, the thinker is the one that was in Flash season four, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I these characters are such like C and D list uh, DC villains and I that <laughs> it's perfect for James Gunn because like Guardians, you know, not not when he made Guardians, they weren't like C list, but a lot of people didn't know them as much yeah. as they knew like Iron Man or Thor or Hulk. So I think James Gunn's choice of doing this way is I think, yeah, because he was a screenwriter too, I believe. Yeah, uh, it, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's going to completely reinvigorate uh interest in these characters and i think that's exactly what they want yeah uh, i've like, always been interested in polka dot man oh my god <laughs> well polka dot man i knew about because he's i think he's one of batman's weird villains and yeah. i love the the weird like batman villains and but he, yeah, yeah from, from, the Le- from the lego batman movie when they were all there <laughs> calendar yeah, calendar king right. or clock king and calendar man um they actually, the guy that plays Polka Dot Man is one of the guys from the Thief group uh, from Ant Man. Uh, it's one of the one of uh, uh, Scott Lang's old uh, Thief crew. Is one of the guys from uh, he's playing Polka Dot Man. I can't remember his name. It's like Danny. It's David. I can't even das pronounce Malchian? that. Yes, Das Malchian. I can't say it without a. <laughs> Weird accent. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm very, very excited because um, I just listed off maybe four of like the 20 characters that are in this movie, which is going to make for awesome canon fodder. Um, I just enjoyed the uh, the scenes that they were showing where uh, it was a King Shark, the guy who's actually playing him, is wearing that like headpiece. Oh, yeah. So, like, whatever the motion capture, like, headpiece, so it's, like, this weird, almost like a, a cardboard box sticking off of his forehead. Like, that that was entertaining to watch. Yeah. And that's going to be Steve Agee from um, uh, the Sarah Silverman show, and he's done all sorts of little bit parts everywhere. Um, so I'm super excited to see that now. And then the shocker for everybody is they actually dropped a trailer for The Batman. Uh, which is, looks pretty damn good. I was very, very pleasantly surprised. Um, I know we've been here many, <laughs> many, many times before with the Batman I series and everything. <laughs> but, uh, if you haven't checked out the trailers from DC Fandom, definitely check them out. The Batman was fantastic. It looks like they will be doing um, some variation of the long Halloween storyline. Uh, and the Riddler is very prevalent throughout the trailer. So uh, it'll be very interesting. I'm. I, it looks very noir, which I've been kind of wanting Batman, at least in live action form, to get more to their noir roots. Um, Could we just so, get yeah. a Batman that doesn't like repeatedly punch people in the face? Like uh, honestly, I'm I'm kind of tired like of I, not to like the point of like bludgeoning them to death. Like I, I'm. I don't just... think he killed him. He did definitely did trailer? permanent damage. <laughs> yeah, he broke his arm, just located his shoulder, and then punched him like seven times in the face and like eight more times in the gut. 
You'd be surprised know, like, what we can handle. I, I'm just honestly, I'm 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 tired of Batman. I've never been a big DC fan, period. Um, but at this point, I'm just I feel about Batman how I felt about Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I don't want to see him anymore. I I don't care who's playing him <laughs> at this point. I just needed to I needed to stop. Um, between this, the Snyder cut, and like just oh, yeah, they all of the that for that too. It, it's just I'm so over it. Um, Suicide Squad, the first the first movie, was not something that I ever cared to watch. I watched it on the plane to Hawaii because what else are you going to do with eight hours of time? Um, and regretted it almost immediately. <laughs> Although it was about a year ago when we had our when it came out and we actually talked about it on the show because in my Facebook memories was Oral's description of Enchantress where he says that she uh she tried to charo I I I coochie coochie the world to death. And <laughs> that made my day. Um but with James Gunn at the helm and like seeing it have a bit campier style, the Suicide Squad probably be something that I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll, I I won't mind watching it. Um, as somebody online I think described it, it looked like Batman and the Crow had a baby with Robin Pattinson <laughs> in makeup and especially without the cowl and the the smudged eye makeup. Um, I, I just, that doesn't strike me as something that I'm, I'm thoroughly ready to like run out and go see. Um, I did enjoy the fact that they question mark zero question mark one for the, uh, <laughs> the release date though. Um, I will be interested to see, um, I want to say Zoe Saldana. Who is playing Catwoman in this movie? Uh, I don't think they actually announced. It looked yeah, like Zoe Zeldana, um, but it uh, she looks great. Like I'm very interested to see how they'll because if they do the long Halloween, just about all the villains make a um, at least a small appearance. So it, it looked like at one point with the 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 Joker looking gang that they were doing like a Batman. Uh, What's that uh, Frank Miller one? The Dark yeah. Knight Returns. Like it had that like feel. So I wonder if it's like a mishmash of oh, no. two different. It's Zoe it's Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz. playing yeah. Catwoman. Cool. I, like, I wow. knew that they had announced it. I couldn't remember who it was, but I'm excited to see what she does with the role. Like I'm almost excited to see anybody else that's in this movie, aside from <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Which is never good when that's the person who the movie is named after. I don't that's know. I problem. feel like that's the Batman series to me. Like well, I, I, I enjoy other Batman characters and villains more than I actually enjoy Batman himself. I mean, aside from the Lego Batman, you know, I, I'm kind of the <laughs> same way. But um, and then with uh, the video games, Gotham Knights, you get to play as um, like all of the uh, sidekicks. Batman sidekicks. You get to be yeah. Batgirl, Red Hood, um, and all that. Oh, Nightwing. And, so uh, it's probably Damian Wayne. Yeah, so it would have to be Damian Wayne. See, 
Well, it's either Damian Wayne or Tim Drake. Yeah, I think it's Tim, yeah. actually. Yeah, I, I think, it's, it's, I think it's, it's he's got the pole. Because the Robin symbol looks like the red Robin symbol. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say, well, yeah, he's red Robin, but... I want... I would rather... I mean, I wouldn't rather. I'd like to have Damien, too, but... <laughs> but we'll see how it plays out, though. But the, the both the video games look amazing, because they actually did have play footage for um, uh, Gotham Knights... And, uh, honestly, the Suicide Squad game just looks super fun. The voice actor for Captain Boomerang in the video game is the same voice actor for Junkrat in Overwatch. Uh, and for the Overwatch players out there. So, because I recognized his voice immediately and it took me a second. So, as a quick offshoot to DC's Fandom, which just makes me think of Thunderdome every time I, I, I see it or hear it, um, we would be remiss in not doing a quick chat about uh, DC Comics and the cull that happened over there, yeah. where they cut a large percentage of their staff, and I don't know if it was 100% confirmed, uh, but... They are going to be going away from uh, most of their not core uh, Trinity superhero books. Uh, most of what they're going to be uh, publishing is going to be focused on Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Suicide Squad, where a lot of the periphery DC books are, are going to go by yeah. the wayside. Teen Titans is ending soon. Um and I know Young Justice is ending soon. So the way Jim Lee was explaining this in an interview was they're going to push the non-main Trinity and sub, you know, related titles digital first. And so if they do well digitally, then they would potentially get published traditionally. So it's a weird like hybrid kind of they're definitely tightening their belts. Yeah. And I, this is also, what's interesting, this is not due to the pandemic as much. This is a, there's a new president in Warner Brothers that came in and this was his plan uh, for for a while. It started, I think they, they removed Dan DiDio as like that initial salvo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then they moved ahead with the rest of their plan once he was sort of out of the way. But, Clearly, in light of the pandemic, with a lot of publishing, a lot of businesses, it's like, you know, consistent with tightening of the belt. People aren't buying as much. Yada, yeah. Yada, and at the same time, also, we need to mention that they did finally announce that all of the um, series, flagship series for DC Universe, have all been picked up by HBO Max. I was say, yeah, so they're ending DC Universe as a... Uh, they haven't officially said if DC Universe is ending or if they're just going to move it straight to, like, comics only. or They haven't announced that, but they did say that Titans, Doom Patrol, Young Justice, and Harley Quinn are going to be on uh, HBO Max now. And actually, I think they've already moved them all over there. You can still watch them on the DC Universe app, but they have officially moved all of their episodes and everything to the HBO Max app. Well... And a large chunk of uh, the people that were let go were also the DCU staff. So, I mean, we talked about yeah. this a little, not not too, too long ago. Um, where yeah, the writing's was, been on the wall for a while. Yeah, so I, I, I have a feeling that, especially because so much is being pushed into HBO Max, that they're going to just 
fold-up shop. Because honestly, as much as I, I, I love comics, who's paying that much money for a comics platform? When you have something like Marvel Unlimited for $10 a month, where you have access to, you know, thousands of comics, maybe not to the same extent or, or as many as DC Universe has now. But when you're paying that much money and you're not getting any um, original television programming, I could see maybe doing like a $10 a month thing and having it be comics online or have it be bundled in with like HBO Max or something along those lines where that that could that, be the only way it would work out in my mind. Well, that's how I got ended up getting HBO Max because of my DC Universe membership. And I was an annual, I have an annual membership. Which, by the way, has dropped from seventy dollars to like thirty-five. <laughs> um, it was renewed for thirty-five dollars. Um, they offered me HBO Max for uh, six ninety-nine a month for being on DC Universe. So, yeah, it's it's obvious that Warner Brothers has plans to just kind of shift everything over there. Yeah, I still need to get an HBO Max, like an actual HBO Max login so I can watch Legendary. I have access to everything else, but Legendary oddly does not come up on uh, HBO Max on Hulu. Oh. That's so weird. It's like the one show that I can't access, and I don't understand it. It's quite homophobic. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, So DC is giving BJ lots and lots of life. And HBO Max for six ninety nine. All <laughs> right, Eric, what is your one up? I have a couple quick hits before my real one up, which is Bitch, who are you? Who are you trying to be? You trying to be me now? The... I was gonna say he's trying to be you. Mulan's getting released uh, video on demand in a couple weeks on Disney Plus. Uh, Ish. But you pay a surcharge of like thirty bucks. But uh, you get to keep it. So I mean. Yeah, so you I get mean, to keep for it, families that so. would have paid more than, yeah, you get to keep it for as long as you have Disney Plus. Um, I don't think thirty is unreasonable for a first run movie, especially when it's mostly going to be families who would have paid much more than that to see it in the theater. Um, so that's great. It looks great. I'd rather see it on the big screen, but I'm still going to watch it. Um, I heard it wasn't that great. Honestly, I, I, I still, I would want to see it. I'm not paying $30 for it. Uh, but I have a friend that works in PR and did the, um, the red carpet, like premiere event right before the pandemic shut everything down. And he said that it was horrible. I never like to go on somebody else's opinion solely because they could just not enjoy it, but bad taste. Yeah. Or they, yeah, they could have bad taste. Um, (laughs) but the $30 is tough for um, single people that would maybe just want to watch it once. Um, I mean, if you, if you, (laughs) but I mean, if you're, if, if it's a solo person and you're going to watch it four times or, you know, five times or six times, I mean, it comes down to, you know, not a lot of money per viewing. And like you said, Eric, if you have a family, if you even have a second person or a third person, like, Right there, it's one trip to the movies, and it stays on your... You know, a lot of people are, are coming for this strategy, but with these video on demands like Scoob or like some of these other movies that came out, you paid for it once, and you either had a certain amount of time or a certain amount of watches. Like, this is 
as long as you have Disney Plus, it's there for you to watch. So, you know, and then again, if you don't want to pay the money, don't pay the money. You know, like, I, that's why I don't understand people yeah. that yeah. get all up in arms about this. It's just like, okay, this is what it is. If you really want to see it, pay the money to rent it and have it on your Disney Plus for, you know, forever. Or let's don't. Or wait like a freaks. year when they'll remove the fee from it. Disney exactly. freaks are gonna buy it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The other thing was all that DC talk, and you didn't talk about the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. That oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't watch it, so I the couldn't new talk trailer, about it. The trailer, it's great. You got to see a uh, good look at Cheetah, yeah. finally. I mean, we've, we've known she's in the movie. We knew who was playing her and sort of like how she started, but yeah, it's. Uh, I am here for it. I don't. I think the first trailer is still my favorite because it's just so perfect, but I do really yeah. like the Oh, new the music from the first trailer got me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've read more just about the story and whatnot, and I don't know why, but when the first trailer came out, I did not recognize that that was Pedro Pascal. Oh, uh, right. Uh, I yeah. didn't either. I, I had to look. <laughs> yeah. Well, because he wasn't wearing Mandalorian armor? Exactly. Well, because, I, I mean, he's doing Donald Trump cosplay. So, uh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> but, what I yeah. want to know is, is, since it's Max Lord, and everyone who's familiar with Max Lord in the comics and Wonder Woman knows that there's a very specific thing that happens between the two of them. Uh, I, I I don't think it's going to happen in the movie, but I would be kind of amazed if they went there. Does she peg him? Does she peg him? Oh, no. no. Uh, but that would be also pretty great. That would be great. If he looks <laughs> like <laughs> Trump, that'd be great. I mean, it's 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 not really spoilers because we don't know what's going to happen in the movie, but in the comics, she snaps his neck. But uh, she is under the influence by uh, i forgot who now but uh, but i yeah. mean that was at the end of his whole huge storyline i forget what that whole crossover thing was called yeah it's oh my brain's not working it was right before um 52 started i think but um yeah max lord has not been just a bad guy he was actually sort of a good guy for a long time that was helping the justice league international i think yeah he set uh, up the justice league international yeah so i mean it, it's a complicated you know whatever but yeah it, it did culminate in that magic moment so. Was that during yeah. Brightest Day but or no? No, I think it was no. before that. This is, like I said, it was right before 52, but I can't remember the event. Um, it was basically when they took the Trinity off the stage and kind of gave other characters. I, yeah, that was 52 when they brought other characters in as sort of the, you know, the Trinity's gone. We got to do our own thing. I just remember when he shot uh, Ted Cord. That was so sad. Yeah, and that was in that same event. Ugh. Yeah, it's it dark. Um. But my one-up is uh, the new The Chicks CD, Gaslighter, which is funny because they did they didn't tell the makers of the CDs that they were going to be changing their name. So when I bought it, it still says I don't know how that's it's not... <laughs> it still says Dixie, Dixie Chicks. Chicks. But that first week that it came out, uh, Sirius XM had already updated theirs, so it'll say the chicks when songs are playing. So this is their first comeback album after the whole fiasco of them being canceled. As a group. Um, as a group, because they've made uh, Natalie Maines has done a lot in, uh, was it since 2001? 2000, or, wait, so 2001, 2002. Three or four, I want to say, is when 
everything kind of went downhill for them when the conservatives were all mad because they said that they were ashamed uh, to be from Texas because of uh, W. Yeah. But Natalie Maines has done a lot musically, and they've done side projects, but the chicks themselves have not done uh, uh, anything in uh, quite some time. In 14 years. And honestly, this could almost be a Natalie Maines solo CD, because the whole thing, I mean, maybe aside from one song, which is March March, is basically about her divorce. And so it's got a much different feel to it. Um, I like it. Yeah, so that's the lead title track, uh, Gaslighter. Um, but my other standout songs on there are uh, Tights on My Boat, which is basically the story of her finding out about uh, her husband's affair because she found somebody else's tights on her boat. Um, and uh, Texas Man, where she's talking about being uh, ready to uh, love again but it after listening to the whole cd you're definitely pissed off at uh adrian pastar um, who was her ex-husband if you don't recognize that name he was in heroes he was nathan petrelli in heroes oh 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 uh, so yeah but that was a messy divorce and, uh, it made for good music though uh has anybody else listened to it? No, I I didn't know it was out yet. I was like, oh wait, I mean, you're not a you're not a white homosexual. So <laughs> <laughs> my my Instagram was full of people using tracks from it. Um, I the only other song that I've heard um was when they debuted March March, uh, which was yeah. at the same point where they also announced the uh their name change. Because Oral actually sent me the video uh, link, the YouTube link for it, and it just came up, the chicks, you know, March, March, and then had the shortened URL. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll check that out, whatever, like not thinking anything of it. And then I was downstairs, and I I got back to my my place, and I pulled up uh, uh, the messaging app on my, my computer and played it and was like, oh, oh, it's the not anymore Dixie Chicks. And then I listened to the song and I was right. like, okay, this is like, this is pretty cool. And the video, if you ever thought that the Dixie Chicks back in the day were just, you know, your run of the mill country band, you know, good old girls type of thing, regardless of the whole W and the the uh, CD burnings and Every time I talk, every time like it comes into my head, I think of the Margaret Cho uh, joke or little spiel that she touched the the bit that she has where she talks about the uh, the Dixie Chicks getting uh, lambasted by conservatives when she's like, you know, the that there were CD burnings and people stopping on their CDs and they would just use that the same picture of the one guy who was on his way out from Sam Goody and dropped it on the floor and stepped on it. Then he had to go back inside and buy another one. Um, but <laughs> I I really like 
I, I'm digging it. Like I, I'm I'm liking where they're going. I'm liking that they are still to this day, uh, very outspoken and very much about uh kind of bucking the system and 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 really sticking up for uh the people that deserve it. So that's pretty damn awesome in my book. Yep, yep. That's good stuff. <laughs> so check out the Wonder Woman uh teaser trailer, check out Gaslighter check out there was a third thing that i can't remember you talked about mulan oh so check out mulan coming to disney plus check out uh, the wonder woman 1984 teaser trailer uh at this point i don't even think it's a teaser anymore i just i mean it's it's a trailer and uh check out the chicks new album gaslighter now streaming and uh in physical copies which Eric uh, is like me and likes having his physical copies of albums as well. Brian, what is your one-up? So uh, I've been watching on Netflix, uh, as this episode will demonstrate. And just on a lark, uh, it popped up the other day. Uh, I watched John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. And uh, the title alone was like, what? Okay, cool. <laughs> uh it is very short. It's like 16 minutes, not even. But it is a documentary. And there is something about this uh, This I will not spoil, even though it's 16 minutes and, you know, uh, whatever. Because the, it, it, I think it's interesting enough. It's a story about a guy who is trying to contact aliens, uh, converts his parents' like living room into a whole transmission center with all this equipment and gadgets and puts up a radio transmitter in, in their front yard and you know from a young age or a fairly young age and and, and this this shows him more uh in his adult and like kind of more senior uh, life uh but it takes a turn that i did not expect and it is a turn that made it worth mentioning as my one-up uh if you uh see it uh watch it in like let us know what you think let us know how you thought uh, uh what, how how it affected you uh but uh yeah this john shepherd guy uh kind of looks like uh this uh with the beard you can't see me moving my hands so i always forget <laughs> that we're not doing this on streaming because everything nowadays is video uh but uh it, it is it is the crazy mountain man uh that's that's the picture you'll see uh and he is uh just sending music out into space to try to uh, let aliens know that we're here and that we want to talk to them. Uh, and, you know, a lot of it's just talking to him about his his gear and what he's got and what he's doing and why he's doing it. And Anyway, there's a moment that I just want you to all have as an experience for yourself the way I experienced it. So John was trying to contact aliens. It's on Netflix. Uh Again, it's like the quickest watch you'll have on Netflix. In fact, I think it, I think it probably is the, the shortest thing on Netflix. I don't think that I've ever seen anything shorter than a half an hour. Uh, and this is, like I said, less than 16 minutes. So uh, check it out. Nobody um, else watched it, I'm guessing. <laughs> no. No. That's, that's fine. <laughs> all right. So but you was... should. You really should. <laughs> we will all go and check that out on Netflix uh, immediately following this episode. Maybe not. Uh, maybe later. All right. So I'm going to pull an Eric and um, have a couple of quick things before my final. No, you're uh... pulling a Pat. <laughs> Eric pulled a Pat. You're pulling a Pat. I'm pulling an Eric pulling a me. Um, 
And the first thing that I want to mention uh, is comic book related. Uh, now that Marvel is back into the swing of things with uh, getting their books out on a weekly basis, the storylines are coming uh, fast and furious because there was a delay of months um, during the beginning portion of this pandemic. I don't even want to, I, I don't even know where we are in this pandemic. I don't even like saying in the middle of, I've, t- I've taken to just saying we're in the midst of a pandemic because who the fuck knows I mean, when this is ever going to end, <laughs> right? So because of the fact that there was such a, a long pause, a lot of these stories that were in the pipeline um, that would potentially come out once a month or have every other week, depending on the, the release schedule, have basically been coming out every week. So Empire is in full swing and might even be close to finishing at this point. But um, you have Ten of Swords that is going to be starting up in September, and I cannot fucking wait we're already getting the groundwork in the Cable solo series, um, who I think has a new yep. artist, because I am pretty sure the art changed completely from issue one to issue two. Um, no, it's still Phil Noto. It's still is Phil. it? Oh, it didn't. Okay, maybe yeah, just... Yeah, yeah. Maybe I haven't old... seen issue three yet. Is maybe... Oh, three, three isn't out, out yet. No. Okay. Uh, so yeah, two is still Phil Noto, but his style... His style does adjust differently depending on what he's talking about. Or like, okay. like the old man cable is different, but it's that, still him. Yeah. It's still him as far as I know. And I guess I guess because it was really only like a one panel reveal in um issue one, it kind of threw me off that the art style was so different with uh old man cable. Uh but I'm excited for that. Hellions, uh we had our second issue. Madeline Pryor is back in full force, kidnapping Havoc and uh we get to have inferno nostalgia and and i i'm i'm absolutely here for it um i love that her underboob is back because <laughs> during during secret wars they they took it away they redid her costume a bit even though it was from inferno but whatever uh so the the one thing that i do want to call out and mention is that x force has been running its uh its course so far in the first 10 issues as being that like kind of black ops Beast had this whole, I'm going to do shit that I don't feel responsible for, but fuck everybody up. And Jean Grey just got fed up with it and has gotten to the point where she's tired of the lies within the team. She knows that it's a uh, a black ops mission, but when you can't trust the people that you are on this team with, then she can't do it. So she goes at the end of this issue, issue 10, she goes to this little spa on Krakoa where Logan is just chilling in the spa, drinking a beer, and she's talking about how she's going to leave X-Force, and uh, goes in, and they're talking about who can replace her, and uh, she says, mentions Colossus, and says that he has a big heart, and Wolverine uh, basically confirms what we've all expected in our lives, that he also has um, a big something else. And uh, huh. it, is now, it is now canon that Colossus has a big dick. And I could not be happier about that in my life. So that is uh, the first thing. But go check out <laughs> check out the X books. They are still amazing. Um, Hickman is just running an amazing ship on the X side of books. Um, I don't know if Brian has picked up the newest issues uh, of Excalibur and, and something else came out this past Wednesday. 
Um, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see the original Four Horsemen. I'm excited to see what Apocalypse has to do with all of this. Like, it, it's just going to be amazing with Ten of Swords. Um, my last two things will be uh, music related. See, I really am trying to be like Eric today. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so this year is the 25th anniversary of Jagged Little Pill. We were uh, mentioning Canada's Drag Race earlier before we started this recording. And it's insane to think that 25 years ago, the entire like landscape of, of music and women's empowerment music uh, uh, shifted with the release of an album called Jagged Little Pill. So in honor of that milestone, Alanis uh, didn't re-release another edition of Jagged Little Pill because we had the acoustic (laughs) version. We had, uh, I think, five years. At 10 years, we had a re-release of Jagged Little Pill. At 15, we had like a Japanese uh, concert that was attached to it. There there was no re-release of the album this year. However, she was going to tour with some of her original opening acts, including uh, Liz Fair and Garbage. So my gay 90s heart exploded with joy because I love all three of them. And when the pandemic hit, um, that concert went away. But thankfully, unlike Kesha, uh, she was able to reschedule. So on September 11th, uh, 2021, I, along with Chrissy and Scotty, will be um, in the second level, in the first row, jamming out to Alanis Morissette, uh, playing iconic songs from Jagged Little Pill, and seeing uh, Liz Fair and Garbage as well. However, instead of uh, re-releasing a 25th anniversary edition of Jagged Little Pill, Alanis did release her latest album called Such Pretty Forks in the Road, uh, having preceded the release with the track Reasons I Drink, um, which has become my anthem just in the name of the song, and uh, a couple of other tracks beforehand, one of which being Diagnosis, which hit me so hard in the feels. It was... I, I can't even like describe how much. Um, but then during this pandemic... She released, a, I guess what would be considered the second single, uh, Ablaze, and recorded a video at home with her husband and her kids. Her husband is a, a white oh. rapper, which um, I don't quite understand, but dear Lord, is he a daddy. So, <laughs> mazel, Alanis, mazel. Um, but it, it's really adorable, and... It's interesting how she managed to make mom music that isn't necessarily like mom music. You know, it's one of those weird things where a lot of my my growing up uh, musical influences or idols uh, were women. And then when these women became mothers, their music kind of shifted because their lives shifted. So Alanis did, but is still managing to, with this album, make music that kind of blankets everybody while still being a mom. And then finally, the thing that gave me the most amount of life uh, in the past month was a surprise release. No one saw this coming. And coming from an artist who is so meticulous in her planning that there are 
breadcrumbs dropped leading up to it and her fans are right there to try to be Nancy Drew and figure it all out. Her social media usually gets scrubbed to signify one era ending and starting another one. That was not the case this time around. Taylor Swift drops her eighth album, Folklore, at the end of July. It's a little to no fanfare, but it is amazing. And here's just a little clip from my favorite track, Exile, featuring Bon Iver. So step right out. There is no amount of cry I can do for all this time. We always walked a very thin line. You didn't even hear me out. And a lot of people sit there and talk about, oh, well, I can't dance to it. Not all music is danceable, nor needs to be. When it is impactful, then it uh then it, it's phenomenal and it just is what it is so the only thing i've heard is that it's sad <laughs> it is a lot of it very much is it's a very um it's a very heavy and hearty album but she doesn't just write uh these tracks in the past a lot of her her personal life was what she wrote about and you know people slam her for writing about her breakups and the guys that she dated, which pretty much every man has ever done, has done in their, the entire I was going to say, I'm not mad at her. Make your money, girl. <laughs> right. Um, but she is in a, uh, in a happy relationship and has been for a couple of years now. And uh... right. A lot of times musicians, um, don't, they don't have that same muse that they have in, you know, heartache. So for her to basically have to kind of go outside of herself and write stories as if she was other people was fantastic. Like it's definitely a different style and there is a bit of sad, but also hopeful and optimistic in some ways. Like it's a very fine balance. And honestly, it's been on repeat for me for the last couple of weeks that it's been out. Um, she, because it was her eighth album, she put out eight different covers to the CD that you could buy for $8 each. Um, and then she also put out eight different, uh, those eight covers had eight different vinyl records with each vinyl being a different color. And, um, thankfully my, uh, my sweet, sweet friends that tuned in for digital game night, uh, when I was talking about it. Uh, live on the air uh, threw enough tips my way that I could order one of these special edition vinyls um, if I ever see my turntable again but uh, <laughs> you know gotta love it but it's fantastic go check out folklore check out such pretty forks in the road and um, go read some X-Men comic books if you have been wanting to see how, what this whole uh, Dawn of X and uh, the House and Powers were all about trade paperbacks are out uh, Marvel Unlimited is a great way to catch up right now because the Powers of Ten and House of X uh, have all been added to Marvel Unlimited. Go check them out. And uh, with that being said, that wraps up our pop culture roundup for the month of August. We thank you for tuning in and joining us on this journey. Uh, we cannot wait to put out some more episodes. Brian is going to be leading some uh, live streams on mondays starting the monday before this drops 
So go check out our YouTube channel for the first interview with uh, Cena Grace. So he's known for his works, Little Depressed Boy, Ghosted in L.A. He's got a new one called Getting It Together that is going to be coming out soon. In uh, the uh, more mainstream comics world, he's known for the adult out gay Iceman uh, series. He's uh, known for creating Dark Veil, the drag queen mutant, and uh, also doing uh, some good work on uh, Power Rangers. So go check out our YouTube channel and uh, tune in. Uh, it will probably be every other Monday for the live stream videos. And then those will get released as audio episodes um, not long afterwards. And uh, yeah, we've got lots of great stuff coming up for you. So make sure to keep coming back. Check us out online, flameonshow.com, where you can scroll to the bottom and uh, follow us at any of our social media the icons are right there for you to click on. And uh, if you are enjoying this and want to help us to continue creating great podcasts for you, then uh, head over to patreon.com forward slash flame on show and uh, become a patron at any of the four levels. We've got great content that is there already and more coming very soon. So until next time, Bobby. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 